evening and welcome to this edition of the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each Sunday we get together, we talk about the news of the week, the events of our sometimes bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. Of course, it would not be the John and Leah Show without Leah Brandon, who I understand (laughs) from your Facebook page. Leah, you had a dream week this week, a week that many of our listeners, especially those in Louisville, Kentucky, where we're on on my old station, WHAS, will find particularly intriguing. For those who have, uh, well, hold on just a second. For those who have never heard the show before, this program is a real live radio talk show. We're not selling you anything. And we're on 15 different stations across the nation, including New York. And here in Los Angeles, where I'm broadcasting from just outside of Los Angeles, our flagship KRLA in the very same market of Los Angeles, where Leah and I met uh, over 11 years ago, believe it or not, at KFI in Los Angeles. And uh, for the past uh, nine months or so, we've been revisiting that old show with this nationally syndicated Sunday night show. So with all that now out of the way, Leah, tell us about your dream week in Kentucky. Well, it was actually a dream day. Okay. Uh, just one day, I drove to Kentucky and uh, from I had Alabama. The op- just make 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 it clear. <laughs> from Alabama. Yeah, what people know, you're not completely insane. <laughs> you, you, you do the show from Alabama. I do it from outside L.A. Driving from L.A. to Kentucky would be nuts. Uh, yeah, you couldn't do it in a day. <laughs> right. But well, if anybody would, you might. Uh, for 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 the horse California Chrome, which is why you exactly. were going, going to Kentucky. But so tell us about your day in Kentucky. Right. Well, I uh, had the wonderful, incredible luck to be invited by uh, the former owners of California Chrome, uh, Steve and Carolyn Coburn. Steve, to... who we've had on this program before, who you yes. who you met uh, in an airport coming back. In Burbank. <laughs> right. Coming back from Los Angeles after going to the Breeders' Cup races last year. Actually, yeah. the very first weekend we ever did the John and Leah show. Uh, you, you meet Steve Coburn, the, the owner, then the part owner of the horse who almost won the Triple Crown last year, California Chrome, and you become friends. And in what's, I have to tell you, Lee, it seems very much like a Ziggler-type situation. <laughs> it, I mean, that's the type of stuff that usually happens in my life, uh, but it happened in yours. So Steve invites you to Kentucky, and then what happens? Yeah, uh, to go visit California Chrome. I Even though I love the horse, I've never had a chance to meet him. He is at a uh, farm called TaylorMade Stallions, and I had the opportunity to go with them and to feed California Chrome a bunch of his favorite cookies and to hang out and see him in person. And, I mean, it was it was just mind-boggling. I, ha- I kind of have a California Chrome hangover at this moment because I'm glad I have it on video. I wouldn't believe that it actually happened. It was just so amazing. So it was better than you even anticipated? It was. It, it really was. I, I mean, he's just a special horse. But the other thing that I got the opportunity to do, and our friends in Louisville, I'm sure that they have been there before or that they've heard of it. Uh, everyone else who loves racehorses needs to go check out Old Friends. Um, it is a thoroughbred retirement center. It's in Georgetown, Kentucky. Uh, these are champions who have been at stud service overseas, mostly in Japan. And uh, instead of them being slaughtered like Ferdinand and Exceller were uh, back in the day, well, back in 2000, uh, they're now living at this farm. And it's a 501c3 started by a guy named Michael Blowen, and he pays to bring these horses back 
and then takes care of them on the farm for the rest of their lives. Very cool. Very cool. That that Ferdinand story, I remember reporting on that when I was at WHAS in Louisville, and that was yes. just mind-blowing that a Kentucky Derby winner could end up uh, essentially being eaten. Uh, he was two-time horse of the year. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> I'm glad that that's not going to happen anymore. Now, I have two questions. One is somewhat technical. Okay. You know, because we've had Coburn on, you know, Steve Coburn, your buddy, on the show before, and you've talked about him on the program where he has sold his stake in California Chrome. Yes. Uh, in a situation that you're not happy about because, at, the, at least at the time, you thought that the horse was going to be taken advantage of and, and raced in a situation that might uh, imperil his life. By the way, do you still feel that way? I do not. After Good. meeting the Taylors, huh. I am 100%. They love this horse. And he will race next year, but they'll make sure that he's 100%. They're basically betting the farm, so to speak, on this horse. So how is it that Steve is still able to visit the horse even though he's not the (laughs) owner anymore? Well, he and Chrome, uh, you know, he was there when Chrome was born. He's got such an attachment to him uh, that he wrote it into the contract at the sale that he has visitation rights. Along with guests, like a plus one? Were you his plus one? Well, I was his plus one, but there was uh, another couple that are really good friends with them, uh, and they came along too. So, oh, okay. I mean, it, it was it was a group of us. But the Taylors were just so incredibly gracious. Cool. Uh, I, I just loved them. I, I, I loved right. the whole trip. All right, last question. Um, mm-hmm. So I want you to imagine what your experience was with California Chrome and your level of excitement and try to extrapolate what would it have been in comparison to, let's say, me meeting Tiger Woods back when I really, really loved Tiger Woods? What, <laughs> what would it have been bigger, smaller, same? Give me an, an, an example or give me a comparison there. Um, I, I'm going to say mine was a little bit bigger. Really? Uh, this was, yes. So you meeting yes. California Crow was bigger than if I had met and fed cookies to Tiger Woods <laughs> at, the, at his height Correct. of his powers. Correct. Wow. Correct. Holy this cow. horse has captured my heart, uh, and I, wow. this is this is a once in a lifetime. Holy cow! All right, now that really puts it in perspective. Now, speaking <laughs> of Tiger Woods, your thing is horses. Um, you own three of them, uh, mm-hmm. one of which I helped buy for you many years ago. Uh, yes. My thing, of course, is golf. The final major championship of the year was completed today, the PGA Championship. Uh, Jason Day won his first major in in amazing style, record-breaking style. He clearly deserved to win. Uh, But um, how about Jordan Spieth, who is the new Tiger and a far better human being than appears Tiger Woods ever has been or ever will be, for all intents and purposes, for all appearances. Uh, He is now the new number one player in the world. Unreal. At, At the age of 22, he breaks Tiger Woods' thought to be unbreakable. I cannot believe. That in 2015, we're talking about a 22-year-old breaking Tiger Woods' record that he set in 2000 for the most under par for an entire major championship season of 54 under par. It's just sick. It's crazy. I have a love-hate relationship. Well, I had a love-hate relationship with Tiger, um, and I have a love-hate relationship with this younger generation of people under 30. Uh, because I think that as a generation, they're the dregs of humanity. But the <laughs> best of the best are unbelievable. And Jordan Speed is obviously the best of the ba- best. Uh, what they are doing is incredible. And I'll, I'll give some props to Tiger Woods. You know how much 
you know, my daughter, three-year-old daughter likes to refer to him as the man who broke my heart. Oh, yeah. uh, and he did. But I'll give Tiger these props. You know, th- a year ago in Louisville, I wrote in the weekly newspaper there, the, the Louisville Eccentric Observer, in the cover story, I put Tiger Woods in a casket and declared that his career was dead. I was correct in my assessment and prediction there. Uh, now, not only is his career in a casket, that casket is encased in cement because uh, <laughs> there, is, he, there is absolutely zero chance against this younger generation that he is ever going to do anything of major significance again, never win another major championship. But I will give him these props. His career is over, and he is going to be soon forgotten, unbelievably soon forgotten. But he birthed, not literally, but figuratively, he birthed a generation of golfers that took over for him that is unbelievable. Uh, And he deserves absolute credit for that because without Tiger Woods, there would be no Jordan Spieth or Jason Day or many of these other kids that are just blowing – the minds of people like myself who are now dinosaurs. Yeah, uh, well, that's probably true. No, it's absolutely true. He's the only athlete who was usurped by people who took up the game because of him. I mean, that's <laughs> that's what happened with Tiger Woods. And the game has now totally changed. It is a completely different game than it was 10, 15 years ago. Not necessarily all for the good, but, boy, Jordan Spieth is amazing, and Jason Day deserves a lot of credit for what he did, breaking the all-time record for under par in a major, which I just cannot believe uh, is 20 under par and, of course, that difficult. All right, uh, we got a lot to get to in this uh, edition of the program. I'm really looking forward to my favorite part of the show, I anticipate, is that I am going to do the first cuts in honor of the National Football League in training camp. I'm going to do the first cuts for the GOP presidential field. We're going to do that, but when we come back, we'll take a look at the news of the week on the John and Leah Show here on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. Her name is Leah Brandon. And almost every week we play the Rocky theme because we're on in Philadelphia, my old hometown uh, where I grew up just outside of Philadelphia in Bucks County. So we're happy to be on there. One of our 15 markets where the uh, free speech broadcasting network is currently heard each and every Sunday night. And usually um, on this program, and we will do so tonight, we take a look at the news of the week and sometimes the events of our very bizarre lives. But we also, on a weekly basis, check in on both the Republican and Democratic races for the nominations for the presidency of the United States, obviously with the race to the White House now starting to gear up for 2016. And in the last segment, we talked about the Hillary Clinton emails. And, and Lee, I think you're probably aware that my views on things are nuanced and oftentimes misunderstood because people only hear what they want to hear. They only get headlines. And that's not the way my brain works. So I think a lot of people probably misunderstand me when I say we have to presume that Hillary is going to be the nominee and that she's going to be a very formidable opponent because they probably think I believe that Hillary is this juggernaut. No, I don't. I I don't believe Hillary is a juggernaut at all. I I have likened her to Ronald McDonald of McDonald's. (laughs) That's true. That she is a horrible spokesperson or a symbol for the Democratic Party. It's actually a pretty darn good analogy. McDonald's is in big trouble. But they can't get rid of Ronald McDonald 
because they got nothing to replace him with. They put so much resources, so much time, money, years, capital. He's so well-known, but he's creepy as hell. He's a horrible mascot. Well, it's a similar situation with the Democratic Party and Hillary. She she's is, too big to fail. She's too big to fail. That's the better better way to put it. She is too big to fail. Now, that doesn't mean she can't fail. Because, you know, the old saying, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, true. is absolutely true. So there is a scenario. It's not as nearly as likely as a lot of conservatives would like to believe. I mean, to a lot of conservatives, including Donald Trump, on Meet the Press today, not that he's a conservative, but he, he basically, I think he used the word miracle. Yes, he, he said, if she survives. If she survives this, a miracle. Um no, it's not going to take a miracle. Uh, here's what it would take for her to be knocked off. You need a replacement. This is why I keep telling people who think that she is going down. Okay, in order for her to be replaced as the nominee, Democrats need a replacement. Well, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Joe Biden. All right. Now, Joe Biden is at least worth having a conversation about. And I have to tell you, of the many private talks I would love to be a fly on the wall for, right at the top of the list would be, I would love to be hearing what Joe Biden is saying to his friends and advisors when he sees these most recent Hillary Clinton polling numbers, because they are horrific. He's foaming at the mouth. Well, he is so delusional and so nutty. Um, I I have to say that if he does not get in at this point, he is not the person I thought that he was. He is not nearly as delusional as I thought Joe Biden was. Because, uh, especially on these emails, I don't know if you, you probably didn't see this because you were, again, traveling most of this week. There was a poll out, I believe it was a Fox News poll, where only 3% of the public volunteered that Hillary was telling the truth about her emails. Right. 3%. That's impossible. That's as bad as it gets. So, um, and and her numbers against specific GOP plausible candidates are going down. Even by the way, against Trump, which she's still beating him badly. But uh, it is it is a mess right now for Hillary. And Joe Biden is the only theoretically viable alternative. Now he's not a real alternative, but he's a theoretical alternative. And here's how it would have to go down. All right. And I, I have outlined this scenario before, but I think it's worth doing again, especially since Hillary's numbers keep going down and the buzz about Biden keeps going up. By the way, did you see what Biden said at the ceremony for the Chattanooga victims? Oh, he called them a perverted jihadist? He, the, the, he, the killer. He called it the per, killer. a perverted jihadist. Now, now that's he's actually saying the word. Well, that's amazing. That I don't know if that was an act. With see with Biden, you never know. Was that an accident or did that happen? We well, he did purpose? that with the same-sex marriage thing too with Barack Obama. So who knows? Yeah, you never know with Biden. You never no. know. Was that on purpose or was that an accident? That he accidentally told the truth. But here's the deal. Uh, and I'm going to make an analogy here to a movie that um, Tom Cruise starred in several years ago called Valkyrie. Uh, Valkyrie was a movie about Operation Valkyrie to get Adolf Hitler. And it almost worked. And Tom Cruise's character was the character that was at the center of trying to get Hitler. Now, my analogy is this. 
So, as you say, Biden's foaming at the mouth right now. He's mm-hmm. got to be. He's got to be foaming at the oh, mouth. Oh, yeah. Has to be. This is his last shot. promised bow. Right. I, exactly. I mean, for, for all sorts of reasons, he's got to be chomping at the bit. So, here's what's going to happen, or theoretically what happened. So, Obama is going to say to Joe, he's going to basically treat Joe like Tom Cruise in the Valkyrie movie. All right? He's going to say, Joe, you go for it, buddy. Do the best you can. You know what? I think you've had a hell of a career. You want to go for this? Why don't you go for this? Give it your best shot. And he's going to stand back, and he's going to watch. And much like Operation Valkyrie, if the bomb goes off and it doesn't get Hitler or it doesn't injure Hitler enough to where, you know, Hillary is Hitler, obviously, if you haven't picked that up yet. (laughs) If it doesn't damage her enough, he's going to step back and go, oh, boy, you know. You tried. I, I, you tried. I'm, I'm the president. I can't get involved in this type of stuff, Joe, you know. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's just the politics is a tough game, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. But if Biden somehow gets the bomb close enough to Hitler slash Hillary and blows off a leg, then Obama's going to be there as the cavalry. Because at that point, Obama has a huge self-interest. Because think about this. If Hillary were to go down to Biden, Obama wins in every possible scenario. Yes, he you, does. You know he doesn't like Hillary personally, mm-hmm. right? There's no way. There's no love lost. I don't lost. think they like each other. Right. So there's no love lost there. And it reduces the ch- – it eliminates Bill Clinton as taking over, you know, as a third term for him, which he doesn't want to do. Because Obama's reversed a bunch of Clinton stuff. Right. Well, they don't like – there's a rivalry there, I'm sure. <laughs> and, you know, after he played golf with him yesterday, I'm sure he hates him even more, dealing with all those mulligans and everything. But so, <laughs> That's so, right. So anyway, uh, so he, there's no love lost there. So if Biden were to beat Hillary, then he would take the credit for Biden having – won the nomination, and then no matter what happens in the general, Obama wins. If Biden somehow pulls off a miracle, then it's all Obama. If he doesn't, Obama gets to go, see, he wasn't he didn't have the magic. He didn't he wasn't me. You see, when I I tried to help him, but you know. I won those two elections big time because I was Barack. I had the magic touch. You know, poor old Joe just didn't have it. So obviously it was me who got elected those two times. So that's that is that would be Obama's scenario there that would be his incentive now how does this work well biden's got to at least show he can get into the game and now he's got to first decide to run which i don't know if he will or not then he's got to actually do damage frankly i don't think he would on his own without an indictment of hillary i don't think biden can beat hillary and in fact bernie sanders would suddenly become viable in a lot of states because <laughs> biden's not taking any of sanders vote although you know there might you know there might be a few crazy people there's certainly the eccentrics out there that would the biden and sanders would both appeal to so there might be a slight crossover but by and large sanders vote is not going to be impacted by joe biden getting into the race should that happen and boy would it be amazing to watch um too good to be true, frankly. So the more likely scenario is Hillary's going to be fine. And in fact, the media will would end up using her, quote unquote, exoneration on the email to oh, further yeah. the narrative that this is all just a right wing conspiracy plot to get her. And boy, they, they failed again. Isn't she a survivor? Isn't it amazing how she continues time and time again to, to beat back these charges against her? Oh, yeah. Uh, and that would be- I, I totally agree with that. I believe the only reason they're doing this quote-unquote investigation is to clear her. Quite possible. That would make sense. But then again, 
uh, Obama's got to enjoy the fact knowing that he does have that knife to slit her throat uh, should he want. Because she clearly broke the law. I mean, she uh, she wiped the server. Right. She clearly <laughs> broke the law and did so for in, ill intentions. That used to matter. It doesn't matter in this country anymore unless it's politically expedient for it to matter. That's the reality. All right. So that's the Democratic side. When we come back, we got to talk about Donald Trump because he's all anybody's talking about. We'll do it on the John and Leah show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. She is Leah Brandon. We continue with this week's look at the race to the White House 2016. We now turn to the GOP side of things, and it's all Trump all the time. Uh, Leah, CNN has apparently decided that Donald Trump is a missing Malaysian airliner. Uh, because that's, <laughs> yeah, that's true. All, all they're talking about. It is all Trump all the time. This is the way CNN now works in yeah. these this desperate era where you as a cable news network, when nothing else is going on, you have to chase a ratings blip. So you see a ratings blip, whether it's a Malaysian missing plane or a crazy man running for president, and you chase it and, and you run it into the ground until the blip goes away. That's, that's right. That's what CNN does. And I've been caught in that blip in stories that I have done uh, in a huge, huge way. So I know this is not hyperbole, exaggeration. This is actually the way they work. Oh, the, yeah. The, I, look, I blame them for Ferguson, for a lot of Ferguson, yeah, because they, they went right there and they never let it go. Because they saw a blip. And, you know, they create a narrative to, to create the blip. And then so what, and then once the blip is there, they, they further the blip by putting more fuel in the fire. I mean, yep. it is absolutely scandalous what cable news has become. And in this case, it has a huge impact because it creates the impression that Donald Trump is legitimate, right? Because if you're a moron— and most of us are morons, let's face it, especially the people who decide presidential elections. They're idiots. They're imbeciles. And and you know, at best, they're seeing headlines, maybe a few minutes, you know, in an airport or, you know, somewhere where they just happen to catch some cable news. And they're seeing Trump everywhere. They think that means Trump is legitimate. Right. That, that he can win the nomination, that he can win the presidency, none of which is even remotely theoretically possible. I'll explain why once again in a moment. But this has a huge impact. It creates the impression that Donald Trump is not only viable, but somehow inevitable almost now because of all of this media attention. And we've now had basically almost two weeks since the first GOP presidential debate. The only good thing that I have seen happen, and I mean the only good thing that I have seen happen in the polling since then, is that we have now we now know for sure and forever that Frank Luntz, the Fox News, you know, uh, focus group specialist, is a complete and total fraud. Uh, because uh, if you recall, the night of the debate, he declared Donald Trump's candidacy over. That's right. Uh, uh, he said, "We're breaking news here." He told Sean Hannity, uh, you know, the, this focus group has completely turned against Donald Trump. And I don't know exactly what his words were, but for all intents and purposes, Trump was dead. Um, no. And I predicted exactly that he was not dead. Uh, he is not remotely dead, at least in the short run. 
Uh, he is at least as strong as he's ever been in both the state polls, which is really depressing. I mean, even the people of Iowa have gotten enamored with Donald Trump. I used to have a lot of respect for the people of Iowa. I thought they took it seriously. I thought they took this stuff seriously. Uh, and the people of New Hampshire as well. The people of New Hampshire, it's a little bit different dynamic there. But the people of Iowa really take this stuff seriously. They have to, they have to show up in five-degree temperatures to people's houses or <laughs> to schools or fire stations or whatever to, to go vote in those caucuses. And they take it seriously. Well, Trump's even winning there. And he's winning the national poll, which is irrelevant, but it gets a lot of media attention. And so we have this phenomenon now where Donald Trump is as strong as he was before the debate and before <laughs> before he references in a negative fashion the menstrual cycle of the most popular female on the allegedly conservative television network. How the hell does that happen? How does that happen, Leah? Well, I'm still not even – honestly, I'm on the other camp. I don't believe that's what he meant about Megyn Kelly. I think it was all blown away. But he oh. did the John McCain thing. I mean, he's had so many right. chances. Everyone else would have been gone. And here's how it happens because he doesn't need money. Well, he claims not to need money. Uh, he's he, he started to ask for it, which is bizarre. I don't know who these people are who would donate to a Donald Trump campaign. Forget about having to be insane to want him to be president. But here's an alleged multi-billionaire asking for money. But here's how it works. Here's why Donald Trump uh, has not been impacted at all by this. And you've touched on it. The best comparison, of course, to Donald Trump was Herman Cain and his charge <laughs> up the top of the the GOP field in 2012. He was, of course, the alleged businessman who really wasn't a businessman. He was an affirmative action front hire uh, who thought that he was actually a businessman. No one told him he was an affirmative action hire, <laughs> but but he had a lot of confidence, a lot like Trump, and he kept going, nah, nah, nah. And, I loved that and, plan. And, I loved it. And people loved him, and he shot up the top of the, the polls. Uh, but here was the difference. Herman Cain was like a virgin, like a Bambi character who had never been through any of this before. And as soon as he got any virus at all, as soon as he got infected with the Glory Allred virus, he died. Yes. Right? So, because so, he had no immunity. He had no immunity to the virus. So even the Glory Allred virus was able, as, as disgusting a virus as that is, uh, was able to kill Herman Cain quickly. Donald Trump, has total immunity to all viruses. Because, Even Ebola. Yeah, he, he exactly. He he can fend off any virus because he's had it all already. I mean when you've had, when you've declared <laughs> bankruptcy four times in the casino business, you've got immunity to all viruses. When when you run TNA beauty pageants you have immunity when you make allegedly racist comments when and I think you're wrong about the menstrual cycle thing. But, you know, whatever you want to however you want to interpret that you go after beloved Fox News anchors. You have you immunity to all and any virus that could theoretically come up. I don't it also I did this as a thought experience uh, experiment on Twitter and no one came up with a good response the other day when I simply asked what would Trump have to do or say at this point in order for his support to collapse. And Leah, in all seriousness, I think the only thing he could do or say, at least in a political realm, 
would be if he said, I believe Barack Obama was born in the United States of America. <laughs> I think if he said that, his support might start to collapse, as insane as that is, because I believe Barack Obama was born in Hawaii. Uh, so th- there is no way to get there's uh, there's no way to get a zombie. A, you know, it's a, it's a no. horror movie. He's That's a right. zombie. The bullets don't work. He's going right. to be at 20, 15 to 25 percent in every poll because he's a celebrity and because he's going to keep getting free media coverage and because it's going to it's going to feed on itself. Right. I believe so. And, you know, what the other thing is that there's just so much anger in this country. There's just so much anger and everybody is putting they're projecting onto him. Oh. You know, everything that they want, they're projecting onto him and not really listening to exactly what he's saying or looking at his motives. They're making him into that person that speaks for them. Well, you've made a fantastic point, which is part of the virus immunity. See, somebody who has never flip-flopped, like like, like take Scott Walker, a guy who has right. stood up against the forces of evil three times and beat them back in Wisconsin. If his position on illegal immigration moves half an inch, he's done. Flip flopper, flip flopper. Trump (laughs) is total immunity because he's changed on everything. Yes. So you can't call him a flip flopper because we already know he's a flip flopper and he's not just a little flip flopper. He's doing three sixties. It's amazing. It is an amazing phenomenon. Part of me almost has like this weird respect for him. Like, <laughs> how did you pull this off? You, uh, how did you get conservatives? How did you get 20 to 25% of the conservative base to go for a guy who was very pro-choice, yeah. who was very pro-taxes? Who... Because it's the anger. It's the anger. But- we and and people love the fact that he talks back to the media that he'll slam John Kerry that he'll slam people they just it's been you know six and a half years but why isn't he slamming Hillary but wimps. but why I agree with that but why isn't he slamming Hillary nearly as much as everybody else I mean that's the part I I will say again and and other people have started to catch on to this if I don't necessarily believe in a conspiracy that he is a Bill Clinton plant, because I don't think they're that smart. But if he was, I'm not sure what he would be doing differently than what he's currently doing. Because well, he, he would be doing everything almost exactly the same. He's criticizing Hillary. But, he is. But nowhere near with the same ferocity as he is Republican candidates and even Joe Biden. Well, when we come back, I'll prove my point on that. A few more thoughts on Trump. But then we've got to get to my cuts. My cuts. The first cut. It's NFL training camp season. First cuts of the GOP field coming up on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. 